To you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Hello and welcome to Being Green. I'm Glynis Crook. 20 or 30 years ago, one of the most feared problems facing mankind was the increasingly large hole in the ozone. Without the protective layer, too much harmful UVB radiation would reach the Earth's surface, negatively impacting the health of humans and the ecosystem. The news sparked public fear, mobilized scientists to investigate and governments to collaborate, resulting in the 1987 Montreal Protocol to protect the ozone layer. And this week, there was some good news. A United Nations report showed that, due to this international action, the ozone layer is on track to be fully recovered across most of the world by 2040, over the Arctic by 2045, while in our neck of the woods, the Antarctic, it should be healed by 2066. Well, I'm joined now by Ernesta Swanepoel, a lawyer who specialises in the environment. Ernesto, thanks for joining us on the program. If you could remind us briefly, please, what the ozone layer is and what it does for us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. Um, in short, the ozone layer is the common term for the high concentration of ozone that is found in the stratosphere. It's about 15 and 15 to 30 kilometers above the Earth's surface. And it's the second layer of, um, of the Earth's atmosphere, and it covers the entire planet. And as you mentioned, it protects life on Earth by absorbing absorbing harmful um, UVB radiation from the sun. So what was causing this depletion of the protective layer? It was basically caused by human-related emissions um, of ozone-depleting substances, mostly found in the products that we've used in and around our homes on a daily basis. So these included substances that were found in aerosol spray cans, refrigerants, pesticides and fire extinguishers, just to mention a few. And so the use of them was gradually making these holes in the ozone layer bigger. It was a big scare back in the day. None of us were going to the beach without 10,000 layers of sun cream on us. And then they agreed to the Montreal Protocol. What exactly was that? Yes, yeah, so that's correct. Um, the Montreal Protocol was adopted under a framework convention, so the preceder, which was the Vienna Convention of, on the Protection of the Ozone Layer. And basically, this is a global agreement to protect the Earth's ozone layer by phasing out the chemicals that it depletes. So this phasing out means that it includes both the production and the and consumption of these ozone-depleting substances. So in short, we could no longer use these substances. They were no longer made of produced, and, and as a result, we could no longer use them. And are they completely and totally phased out now? Well, we will see in the, this new, most recent assessment report that was published by the Scientific Assessment Panel to the Montreal Protocol that it confirms that the phasing out of nearly 99% of banned ozone-depleting substances has taken place. So this then is a very real example of how when we get it together and collaborate internationally, we modify human behavior, we can have a positive impact on what was effectively a major problem facing the Earth. That's correct. This protocol is the first in the history of the United Nations to achieve universal ratification. So what that means is that all countries signed up to it. And to this day, it's considered by many as one of the most successful environmental global action. And um, the fact that you, you know, this report again just shows that this is what can be done if governments take the correct policies and legal implementation. 
Which brings us to the question of climate change, of course, the topic that is very much our fear at the minute. What impact, if any, did the ozone layer have on climate change? So while ozone depletion and climate change are linked in a number of ways, ozone depletion is not a major cause of climate change. But having said that, in 2016, an additional agreement was adopted. This is called the Kigali Amendment to the Montreal Protocol. And what this amendment did was it was work towards cutting out the production and consumption of some hydrofluorocarbons, um, also known, known as HFCs. And these are powerful climate change gases. And again, they're found in applications that we use. Again, refrigerators, aircons, building insulation. And I guess it's also worth mentioning that ozone action is a precedent for climate action. And we can see, you know, what can be done if we change our behavior. Exactly. I think that's one of the major points that came out of this for me. But one last quick question as it's summer. With the ozone hole getting smaller, does this mean we have to take less care when we go outside in the sun? No, absolutely not. So while there is a notable repair of the ozone layer and some decreased human exposure to harmful UV rays from the sun, we need to remember that the ozone layer is still busy recovering and it will continue to do so over the next four decades. So, no, wearing sunscreen and staying out of the sun will always be important. <laughs> Thank you very much there to Anesta Swanepoel. And just a reminder that this is a very real and positive lesson that when governments, industry and other stakeholders like ourselves work together, we can make changes that have a positive impact on the health of our home this planet. That's it for this week on Being Green. Till next time from me, Glynis Crook. Take care and goodbye. Being Green was brought to you by Galinda Moser of Remax Living. Ask not what your community can do for you. Ask what you can do for your community. At Remax Living Real Estate, our ethos is built on giving back. From sponsoring music broadcasts to FMR's Being Green, our focus is on making your world more harmonious and our planet more sustainable. So when it comes to choosing a real estate partner, don't go for anything less than people who are maximum givers. Galinda Moser from Remax Living Real Estate.